0: You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen.
1: Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. We're talking today with author, speaker, and executive coach, Reiner Long. Reiner is the founder of Boomerang Coach, which is an executive coaching firm that helps leaders around the world create a more positive workplace future. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the essential emotions for leaders for leading positive workplace change. It's going to be a great show. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at Workplaces Everywhere.
1: Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Reiner Long. Before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do?
2: Hi, Teresa. So it's a pleasure to be on your show. Uh, yeah, I'm an executive coach. I focus on leadership development. It's a focus on uh, innovation and transformational change. Uh, I have a, a, a background in uh, uh, both intra- being entrepreneur and entrepreneur, meaning starting businesses within large corporations and growing them globally, as well as uh, as an entrepreneur. For the last 15 years, I have been uh, de- focused on developing leaders, uh, and I truly enjoy that.
1: Great. Well, it's always a good thing. Leadership changes as the society changes as generations come and go. I think it's really important to focus on the things that you're talking about, which is the emotional uh, the emotional aspects of being a leader and, and affecting positive change, which are stuff that just we love talking about on this show. And I think that oftentimes, um, the soft skills are the things that often get left behind when we talk about hard-driving workplaces and truly effective leaders, those sort of soft skills, the emotional intelligence part of it tends to kind of hide in the background and isn't isn't as in the fore, I think, as it should be. But from your perspective, I want to know, share with our listeners why you think it's so important. Why is emotional intelligence so important in a leader who wants to affect positive change?
2: Yeah, uh, this is a very good question. And because uh, many people don't think about it, they they just take it for granted. Conventional wisdom tells us emotions have no place in business or or leadership for many decades, basically. Now I have been a leader in in managing uh, teams across the world, different cultures, and so on. And I can say uh, the things that I achieved in my life, I achieved through people, influencing people, uh motivating people inspiring people uh, coordinating effective actions and so on and our success and the success of any business leader of any leader inside a business or outside a business is determined by the behavior of the leader and by the behavior of the people that the leader is leading right is trying to mobilize to to influence and coordinate actions with and uh, but our behaviors one of the most powerful drivers of our behaviors are emotions now they are not visible, but for many people, they don't, like we're always in an, an emotional state and it's typically a mixture of emotions, but very often we are not aware of it. We behave and act, but we are not aware of what is driving that behavior. What is the emotion or the mix of emotion that is driving that behavior? So in my uh, in my work, basically, uh, I discovered emotions uh, many, many years ago as a powerful tool, the powerful skill set to both learn myself, but also in, in coaching leaders to in order for them to change their behaviors. So this three basic ideas, first of all, that any of your listeners can create positive change no matter where they are, if they are entrepreneur in a large corporation, if they are in society and want to create change. Every, anybody can create positive change, but in order to create change, you have to change behavior, starting with your own behavior. And the behavior, in order to change behavior, you need to create a shift in emotions, and which can be learned but there's over 200 emotions that it's hard to learn. It's like a complicated language. So where do you start? That is why I distilled the seven most essential emotions and and made them accessible as well as my recent book and also in my teaching and my coaching. For leaders, if you learn these seven essential emotions, they drive the associated behaviors, then you can create positive change in a very effective way.
1: You know what's interesting? As you're talking, I'm thinking about talking about being emotional. And and I'm thinking about what are the most from my perspective, what I see in the workplace and dealing with corporations and 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 all of that, and being on the inside of that. You tend to see, at least I tend to see the most common emotions in business tend to be I would classify them, you probably say it better than I am, like the harsher emotions, the more black and white emotions, like anger power, or positive, like, attaboy, get on with it, you know. um, But none, there's so many emotions that we have, there's such a range of emotions. But do you see that as well that that those tend to be? And is that what you've seen has sort of made leaders less effective? Is that in, in business, those emotions tend to get stilted and limited by yeah. the drive to achieve whatever it might yeah. be?
2: Yeah. And, and most people, and we, this is, has to do with our education system, how we are brought up are not, have not learned to put a language to emotions, right? We, we try to have a workaround where we, uh, describe what does anger mean, which is an emotion? What is, what is a positive, let's say the emotion of joy? What, what, what how do we put a language to it? And what, what do we describe and what does it mean? Uh, to a person, but the point is that in joy, we obviously we feel anger. We it's more observable. We see in the behavior. That's why you're pointing those out, uh, probably. But there's a lot of emotions that are not so easily visible. You no, know? it's kind of like resentment, for example. Resentment is an emotion that is related to anger. But it's more quiet, more inside, like a person is like a victim, feels like a victim of something. And uh, like, you know, the boss didn't give that person a promotion or a client was not treated well by the, you know, served well, you know, and and has resentment, but doesn't express it necessarily. But internally, the thought process, the communication, like about the, the, the unfairness that happened to me or the perceived unfairness keeps the mental energy in the past. And the person, like for example, it's not available for this person to to create a vision of the future, to to change the situation because it's caught in the person is caught in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of an emotion that is very often not visible. And when I coach people, I try to to pick up what is the emotional state you're actually in, what is the mood today you are in, because that tells me a story what is possible today for this person and what is not possible.
1: Interesting. Have you ever found a situation where someone where because it's almost psychology. Do you feel that way? Like, like, what you're asking is you're trying to gauge the emotional status of the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but then do you find, have you ever found sometimes where it was just too hard to get over? They were too stuck in the past? They were, or, yeah. or is there always a way to, to, to power through that and to find a way?
2: Yeah, and like so, like there's a, a little bit of distinction is between an emotion that is coming up and going. You know, it's coming and going, and the mood. A person can be in a mood, and it's a little bit more subdued, but it is more uh, persistent. So, if you let's say you, somebody is in, an, we say somebody is in a negative mood or in a sour mood, we we describe it that way, and we see it in the face of a person. But it's more ongoing. It can be actually for if you, for your listeners in the business, you you. Certain businesses or groups of people are in a certain mood. A society can be in a certain mood. You a more like during the pandemic, there was a certain maybe negative mood, and people were in more fearful, maybe more, more more resentful too, or some even more angry. Maybe in the traffic we were seeing it, and so on. So I'm saying, but those those emotional states. Allow either the individual or if, if this is a mood that, that holds a whole, can, can hold a whole organization hostage, basically.
1: Wow. Amazing. Emotions are so powerful. Well, they are. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. I want to hear about these critical, these essential emotions that people need to master. So we're going to talk about that coming up. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, in the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking with Reiner Lohm about the essential emotions leaders need to create positive change in the workplace. So let's talk about it. What are, what are the, the critical, the, I think you said there's seven, there's seven critical emotion. What are they? I want to hear Mm -hmm. about them.
2: And and uh, and so again, this is distilled from uh, over 200 uh, emotions that we are in, and researchers still finding new emotions all the time. But uh, so uh, let me uh, explain them in blocks of blocks of three. So they are built like like a pyramid. The foundation of that pyramid is like uh, empathy, compassion, and interest. And empathy drives caring. So any leader must care because if like if a leader doesn't care, the people that he's is leading it's not, I'm not going to trust that leader, right um, now, caring alone might not lead to action yet. Like, so if, let's say I care about you, you suffering, right. Or, or the need you have, but I might, I might care about it. I might not act on it. But the next thing is then compassion, Com- compassion adds the commitment. It includes empathy. It builds on empathy, but it adds the commitment to serve the needs of that person, very critical. For any business, business that serves clients, right? Or the employees. Yeah. Okay. So compassion has that commitment to caring, acting on the caring to, to, to serve the needs. Now, a leader also needs to understand really deeper the issues that the stakeholders have and the needs they have, but also the systems and solutions needs really to understand the complexity of it. If you have somebody in the healthcare system who wants to transform, the healthcare system, a leader in that space needs to understand deeply the healthcare system, how it works, mm-hmm. right? There's an example. So interest is the emotion that drives the understanding. If a leader doesn't, is not interested in it, he will have a very shallow understanding. Okay. So those three empathy, compassion and interest build the foundation. Now based on that understanding of the needs of the stakeholders and the, um, the solutions and so on, what is possible, now a leader can look forward and can create a vision, an aspiring vision for the future of the organization, of the, of the society, of community and so on. And that requires optimism. Now,
1: <laughs> that's a tough one.
2: <laughs> without optimism, it's not possible. If somebody lives in an emotion of the past, such as resentment, the leader cannot look forward. He cannot be a visionary leader. Now, next, he needs to be able to inspire people, stakeholders, investors, for example, if you start a business, right? Yeah. If you want to hire people, you need to inspire them. You need to mobilize people to join your business and and support your vision, right? So inspiration is the next one. And then if you have people inspired and they join your business and they give you money for it, you got to coordinate effective actions. You need to set goals and you need to have project plans and you need to... Execute that requires coordinating actions that requires uh, collaboration and collaboration needs trust, trust in the leader, trust of the leader in the people that he's hiring, he's mobilizing or she and, but also facilitating and, and, and cultivating trust among the people. Without trust, collaboration is not possible. So these are the next three optimism, inspiration and trust. They drive visioning. They drive uh mobile mobilizing people and coordinating effective actions. Now, as we have seen with the pandemic, you, you might have a plan and as a business owner and you execute perfectly. Let's let's assume that for a moment. Something happens unexpected, some disruption, like a pandemic or this Ukrainian war, horrible. And but suddenly everything changes, right, in the environment and so on. It's disruptive. Now in this moment, the leader must must be resilient but also the leader must uh, cultivate resiliency and support resiliency in, in the people, in the stakeholders, in the employees, in, in everybody that he or she is working with. Now, resiliency is driven by uh, positive emotions. The opposite is true. If if the leader and the organization goes into a negative spiral, the organization cannot be resilient, going to fail in that negative spiral. So that's, mm-hmm. research has shown that in practical experience uh, as well. But positivity is not a single emotion, it's a palette of emotions, I I just combined them, but this might be an emotion like joy, gratefulness, hopefulness, and many others, you know, uh, that I mentioned before, like interest, optimism, and so on, are also part of that palette of positive emotion. Now a leader can cultivate these emotions, a leader can learn these emotions, they're all learnable, a leader can create a shift, can learn to be aware of like what emotional state am I in, in a specific leader situation leadership situation? Let's say I want to I need to create an inspiring vision, but if the leader recognizes I'm I'm a very pessimistic state right now, or even in, in a state of let's say resentment as an example, that's not a good state for me to be a visionary leader. So how can I create this shift? And so in the book itself I describe how to recognize what emotion is helpful, Somebody, what emotion are you in, and what would be helpful uh, emotion, like one of those seven emotional states that I need to shift to, and the practices that I can um, learn in order to shift to that emotional state.
1: Let me ask you this. What do you find the most difficult of, of all of those things that you talked about, those, those emotional stages and how they, you know, sort of correlate into one another, but how do you, what do you find the most difficult for leaders to manifest?
2: Yeah, it might okay. be different a little bit from leader to leader, but a common one that I, I see as a challenge and it is inherent to a leader, a leader needs to be visionary. Otherwise you cannot call somebody a leader, but right. the most struggle with uh, being a visionary leader.
1: Interesting,
2: especially uh, being able to come up with a vision that inspires the stakeholders that inspires the people the leader wants to mobilize and he wants to serve and so on. So the reason why I'm saying this is if let's say if I, I just this week I had a new client and I interviewed the leadership team and I asked uh, and everybody said, oh, we are aligned on the vision. But when I interviewed every single person, they had a different understanding of the vision. It showed me that, yeah, this was somehow a hidden vision, but they didn't really have a vision.
1: It's interesting because so many things are going through my mind. So is that because the vision has always been some statement on a wall that they, you know, or in the handbook or in the, you know, in the, in the documents for the company that we use to, you know, get clients or whatever, or is it because the individual's motivation is not really the vision, it's the benefit uh, that they're getting out of it—the money, the, you know, I, the recognition, the money, the salary, the whatever it might be—that the vision is stilted by their own needs, and not yeah. being able to see beyond that.
2: Yeah, and the vision can have multiple layers, right? That could be like I—my vision is to pay for the, let's say, college of my daughter or my son. You know, that—that right. that is part of a vision. But when I talk about vision, I mean something very long-term, like something that is out there and that's very inspiring. It's a purpose-driven vision. It's aligned with the higher purpose of a person. It's on my muscles hierarchy of needs. It's goes yes. even beyond that. It's something bigger than myself, but it drives my behavior. Let's say I have, my, I have a vision of the society, let's say in 20, 30 years, that we have a flourishing society for my children, but for all children and my grandchildren and so on. So I can paint the picture of that, how I would like them to flourish in that environment. But, and that drives my current behavior. That drives my work. This is why I do the work that I'm doing. And I have that vision. And, I, but I need to also, as a leader, be able to clearly paint that picture, be able to communicate it to others. And only the ones that who feel aligned with that vision will want to work with me on the long term to make this vision a reality. The others might just work for me because they need to make a living or as a reason. But if you want to really fire up people, emotionally engage them, you have to have an inspiring vision and that you do by aligning your vision with the higher aspirations of the people that you want to mobilize.
1: Interesting. I love how it all ties in together and, and uh, works on the one works on the other. Um, so strength upon strength upon strength. I love it. Well, we're running out of time, but I want to know sort of as we wrap up. Can you share with us sort of your most inspiring story of a leader who really took your concepts to heart and affected yeah. positive change?
2: Yeah. I have many inspiring stories, but I just picked <laughs> one arbitrarily that is relatable. No, this is so. So this is an executive, senior executive of a large organization who, uh, who called me looking for a coach. And he was in a situation where his boss, the CEO of that company organization, mm-hmm. uh, was constantly complaining that he was not leading. And he worked his butt off, basically, you know, in quote, and he was like, saying, I work so hard. I work extra hours. I work on the weekend. I, I even perform well with my team, but I'm still not, it's still not good enough. And and so he didn't see something. He didn't see that what the, the, the his boss or his manager saw basically that, but well, he was not really leading. He was putting out fires. He was like jumping in and fixing things all the time with his team and so on. As I went into the conversations, I discovered, and together with him, that he lived in resentment. He was feeling resentment towards his boss. Mm. And I mentioned resentment as one example of an emotion that doesn't allow you to look forward. It doesn't allow you to be a visionary leader because you are caught in the past of what happened to you. Now, through that coaching process, I helped him to become aware of it, and I helped him in that coaching process to shift out of resentment, to overcome it through accepting things and as something that happened in the past, he cannot change anymore. He accepted that. He didn't like that these things happened, but he accepted that in the past. I cannot change it. And suddenly he was able to think about the future and he became a visionary leader. Now there was more to it, but I'm just saying that was a shift, a powerful shift. At that time, he was managing maybe 20 people. Now he today he's he's managing, he moved on like to other organizations. He's leading a very large organization with thousands of people. He's a very uh, inspirational leader. I mean, I know his leadership team and and, uh, and people, and they, they just love working for him.
1: That's great. I love it. What a wonderful way to help someone, because can you only imagine that not, o- not only helped him in business, but probably helped him in other facets of his life as well.
2: He said that. He said my all all aspects, all dimensions of my life uh, changed the relationship to my children, to my wife, spouse, friends, community, uh, because learning. These skills, they are they are so uh, fundamental to our relationships that when you learn those, you are able to change. You are able to transform all of your relationships.
1: Very powerful. Well, thank you so much. That's our show for today. Thank you, Reiner, for joining us and sharing your thoughts and your experience with our listeners. We very much appreciate it.
2: You're very welcome. It was a pleasure.
1: You can learn more about Reiner by visiting his website at www.reinerlaum.com That's R-E-I-N-E-R-L-O-M-B.com. You can also connect with Reiner via our website at Workplace Perspective. I want to also thank our listeners, My Radio Angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective, and until next time, keep raising the bar.